The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. Well, you've lost him. I'm deeply sorry, Master. There was some shortcut, Anakin. He completely went the other way. Once again, you've proved... If you'll excuse me... I hate it when he does that. That's the last time I let him listen to the Dark Times podcast. Hello and welcome to the Dark Times, a Saga Edition podcast. I'm Sam, my own worst critic. And I'm Steven, your favorite pissy Jedi master uh, floating high above the hyperlanes of Coruscant. Wait, what'd you say? I said I'm my own worst critic. <laughs> oh gosh, Sam, that's a little real for the pod, don't you think? Uh, well, you know, <laughs> you gotta sprinkle in something. Comedy is truth uh, revealed. Is that how it goes? My how ex used go? to say the same thing. Uh, within each joke is a kernel of truth. That's what it is. Mm, popcorn. Mm, kernel. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's actually fitting for today's topic. Absolutely, it is. Stephen, but before that, we have some feedback from last week. Hell yeah. Uh, from Zloy Krolik, I, I, I can practically feel the tongue in his cheek on this one. Hey, Sam and Stefan. I haven't used organizations in any games I've run, despite PCs being in one or running one. Mostly dealt with it on the RP side of the game rather than a rules mechanics way. Right. But after looking through the rules after your episode, I can see when they might have a place. Clearly, you're right when you say they're optional. Well, <laughs> the book says they're optional, buddy. I just recorded for you. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure they fit your game before applying them and let the players know beforehand. Yeah, this is like, I, I think maybe I forgot to say last, <laughs> I almost said last session, last episode, but it's absolutely like a, session zero like even session negative one like you're messaging your friends to play the game with you like we'll be using the organization system that's absolutely like it's that big of a deal that you should you should let them know rank is important in this campaign is that okay for you yeah you can't be you can't be a murder hobo renat who like stow away on a star destroyer or whatever but there's plenty of time for that there's plenty of time the Dark Timesters. Is that local 66 of the Dark Timesters? The Inquisitors, Night Sisters, and Podcasters? We tried the intersectionality <laughs> thing with the unionization effort before. It really didn't work out. The Night Sisters wanted more, you know, rising from the dead, and that didn't really sit well with us. And the us. Inquisitors were like, hey, we actually like them staying dead. Yeah, <laughs> it was. there was no bargaining power. Was, I'm neutral on death, honestly. Yeah, we, we couldn't really. I've been there personally, came back, so I kind of get where the Night Sisters are coming from. But yeah, uh, who is the shop steward, Sam or Steven? Is there a general grievance filed against... Oh, that's fucking funny. Is there a general <laughs> grievance filed against General Grievous for management doing bargaining unit work? Every Jedi he slays is one less for a Dark Timester to slay. <laughs> In contract negotiations, <laughs> are the Dark Timesters asking for time and a half after the second atrocity committed in each day? Paid day off for Empire Day? Just wondering. Holy shit, Sloy. You know our Union Jackets would go fucking hard, oh, though, right? Oh, they'd be fucking badass. <laughs> the Dark Timesters Union Jacket. Oh, with the D20 cron on the back? <laughs> yes! Yeah, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like how Stefan turned the tables on Sam with the Name That NPC Challenge. The tradition is that the threat comes from the producer, not the talent. Boy, is that true on many levels. <laughs> back to the Name That NPC or I Literally Kill You, We All Know and Love. Italicized winky face. Oh, I think, actually, we, we italicized it. It, it came, It's a normal winky face. It's a normal face. winky face, folks. <laughs> Owen Zoe included a stat block that we'll get to later from the live-action film character stat source book compiled by Rob, Rob Shanty, Patron, 
that's an old name uh, in, in the deep Swissy past uh, from before the times of the Watsi boards. Well, during the time, you, you get what I'm saying. It's, I, I believe. Before the dark times. Before the dark times, yeah. How have we never Before said that? Before the subreddit. Um, that's so good. Before the subreddit wars. <laughs> Rob Shanty is a, I believe he was an Order 66 era figurehead in the Swissy community. I don't know about him particularly, but his name appears all over pretty much everything. Um, I've actually never heard of this fan source book, Zloy, so uh, thanks for shooting it our way. I'm excited to get to the stat block you attached. Uh, Zloy finishes it off. As always, may the force be with you, Zloy Krolik. Sweet. Thanks, Zloy. Yeah, we also got some feedback from Lil Literalist from last week. He said that that was our last episode of Organizations, the silly episode. I'm convinced that there were fewer than the two sober people recording this episode. I got a big <laughs> laugh out of that. Um, very funny. That reminds me, Stephen, uh, when was the last time you checked the carbon monoxide detectors in your home? <laughs> you know, it's a new apartment, so probably not a bad idea. I don't have a single gas appliance, I think. Because we're because oh. we're in the future. Stove? No, that's stove? electric stove. Yeah. Oh, electric, fancy, electric man. dryer, electric. Oh, yeah, everything's man. everything's electric. Electric microwave. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think my heater's electric too. Nice, Stephen. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, to, we'll save the rest of the tour for the Patreon. Um, <laughs> Little literalist also says you have a scoundrel level penalty for your rebellion themed rank and organization that feels really odd yeah i wanted to to justify this because it does feel odd but i i thought about it in the shower for a little bit and, and i'm coming back with an explanation it doesn't penalize scoundrels joining the rebels it it penalizes scoundrels joining the rebel leadership and i think we can agree oh. most scoundrels by default are not cut out for the kind of leadership that like a military disciplined military organization demands Listen, Han Solo definitely had a penalty. Even though they gave him general, his score was definitely two less than Luke Skywalker's. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Lilith continues. There's an entire series of books about Wedge and Co. doing awesome things and avoiding promotion. Yeah, Sam, that's the that's kind of the, the hard time I gave you last episode when you're like, why isn't there any books about Wedge <laughs> avoiding promotion and doing cool things? And I'm like, well, buddy, there's a foundational Series of like 12 paperbacks that you got to read. <laughs> oh, man. Rogue well, Squadron, of course. <laughs> well, I only care about when they bring the Mercedes in the Rogue Squadron. <laughs> That's the cheat code for the N64 game. <laughs> I'm getting my cannon mixed up. Sorry. It's all legends now anyway. That's what matters. <laughs> I think they only do. I, the Wikipedia page is a client. It's up there with like ducks and, and humans for like best. Wikipedia. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> But <laughs> you just couldn't help yourself, could you? That one's really funny. It, it is funny. It's a really fucking funny one. Yeah, like water, ducks, breasts, humans, all great Wikipedia pages. But the Mercedes one, I think they only included it because like one of the producers on the game like just bought it and was really excited about it and wouldn't shut up about it. So they teased him by putting it in the game or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think it was like it one was of the debug. project managers had like a new car. And, yeah. And as like an inside joke, they included it in the game. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like their debug vehicle, which is fucking hilarious. It's so funny. Uh, he brings up a great idea. Uh, is Twitter still li- like I, I I turned off the whole Twitter thing months and months ago. Is, is Can we still buy a checkmark and then we can DM Sam Whitworth? <laughs> 
We can, but it's against my principles to do so. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. I don't want to give uh, redacted. That's that's hard earned burrito dollars, Stephen. Exactly. They're not going to Elon Musk. He didn't pay for any of those burritos. Damn it. He's a big fan of the show, actually. <laughs> the minus two for low charisma is only holding back us honest, hardworking min maxers. You are right, little literalist. Yep, that is so true. Held back, they will continue to be. <laughs> yeah, they are not leading a squadron anytime soon. Certainly not with not. minus two charisma <laughs> and minus two intelligence sometimes <laughs> as well. <laughs> Off the table, of course. But enough about... <laughs> but enough about organizations. Stephen, what are we talking about this week? Uh, as promised, we're talking about gear requisition, kind of the like back half of the organization system. This was an expansion on the org subsystem introduced in Galaxy at War, and in my mind, it's inextricable from the organization subsystem. Like The better half of the organization subsystem. Truly, and it's even the more like... It's kind of like the whole reason I use the org system really the, the, this, this to me justifies the use of the org system than any other possibility introduced in, in the force unleashed campaign guide. Sorry, star killer. He wrote it by the way. <laughs> uh, proxy would like to have a word with yeah. you, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> so the, yeah, it's, um, it supplants how gear and wealth are traditionally handled in, in Swissy. It basically replaces the money system in Swissy, and, and we'll get down uh, to the nitty gritty of exactly how it does that. This is a, a crunchier, math heavier alternative, though not much for you know your average three point five clone from the early two thousands. We have a few tools on hand to help you pare it down. In fact, you have a personal gift from yours truly at the end of this that'll make it a fucking breeze. For a video game comparison, you may look to like Counter-Strike or League of Legends where, you know, those games have, you know, buy phases where predicting threats and then buying gear to counter them before encounters before they happen is kind of central to the whole gameplay experience. Think of the gear rec system as your CSGO buy phase. This gear strictly does not belong to the players and breaking it or losing it will have consequences up to and including uh, reducing your organization score. Gear acquisition is a good idea when you want to put a variety of high-grade weapons and vehicles into the hands of lower-level players who normally wouldn't be able to afford or access them. As you know by now, we featured plenty of really cool gear on the show. Most exciting gear is locked behind these troublesome technicalities called laws and regulations and <laughs> just like real life. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, Geneva convention and, and, you know, all these made up deranged ideas uh, that go along with that. Um, if you think way back to when I was designing my, my current campaign, the zero distance, I, I had the, the toy box ideology, kind of a play on the, on the sandbox model that a lot of GMs like to adopt. This was less about giving players freedom of decision in the direction of the campaign, but more so in giving them complete freedom of how they conquer the threats put in front of them. And the toy box was literally a, you know, bin, well, not literally a bin, figuratively a bin, for them to reach <laughs> into and pull out whatever they thought would be the best answer to what they were facing, be it a rocket launcher, an X-wing, a sniper rifle, what have you. I'll tell you, um, as a player in that campaign, it really is interesting being like, oh, do we go in with three Y-wing bombers, a U-wing, and an X-wing? Yeah. Or do we go in with three A-wings, an X-wing, and a 
transport ship. I mean, we've had it's it really does it puts a nice spin on piloting in this system that you wouldn't normally expect from like, oh, they have a party ship. Yeah. You know? I think it adds a layer of of um what's the word I'm looking strategy yes. before the, the encounter even starts. And it's really funny. These are one of the more engaging and active parts of the session, but you're not role playing and you're not in combat either. Um, (laughs) It's an entire like meta discussion about how to face the scenario that you're all about to go into. Like, oh, we can't afford three X wings with extra shielding, but we can afford two and a Y wing or something like that. Exactly. And, you know, my my favorite part about this, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself of, of how what order I want to talk about this in, but it's relevant. It encourages you guys to collect intel and to think hard about the threats you're going to face. And this has a twofold effect. It makes the techies and the face members of the party and the stealthers way more important than they would be otherwise. Suddenly, information gathering skills become paramount and like an absolute integral part into the game, into combat, which is something that Swissy absolutely desperately needed, in my opinion, to make those softer skills more relevant in a combat-focused system. It's crazy that you did do that without me realizing. Like, I didn't realize that was the case until just now when you explained it. Yes. But yeah, it was definitely like, oh, this ship is smaller, so we better take it for stealth missions. Or, or, oh, there's cover out there. We need ships that are more nimble that can navigate that cover or asteroid field, stuff like that. Yeah, you definitely made it a more all-arounder campaign. Like, you can be the noble. The noble can still get the job done, even if it's not with taking the wealth talent. Exactly. (laughs) And I'm I'm so glad you welcome to my twisted mind, Sam. You've you've seen now you've closed the gap and you're at the zero distance. Whoa! (laughs) You hear that, Stephen? Oh my god, it's like a million uh brain cells cried out and at once they were silenced. Do I pull pull away from my mic there so I didn't scream into it? Because you just blew my mind, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, I, I looked at you know the knowledge tactic skill and it's disheveled, brown, wet form, limp. On what the do sidewalk. you mean? What do you mean? If I roll good enough, I can see which, and I have the right talent, I can see which enemies are less than half HP. <laughs> <laughs> right. I took one look at the knowledge tactic skill and I'm like. We got to do something for you, man. And then, you know, the, I looked up and the light was shining down on me and it was it was gear requisition. It was for it was it bringing in a bit of wargaming, really. And that's what I wanted for this campaign was to make it, you know, as wargaming as Swissy could stretch to without actually we don't do mass combat. But that would like kind of take it over the edge into like full blown wargaming territory, which would still be very fun. I think Starship scale is relatively close especially it if you is. have like and um, mass combat is literally just starship scale for the ground like they, they don't tell you that yeah. but it, it's it's true they actually might tell you that no they do literally tell you that never mind it's it's, <laughs> it's written in the book but <laughs> but yeah I'm, I'm glad you see it sam and I, i'm glad everyone else can too yeah this is a secret kind of really roundabout way to make every possible role in a party more important and somehow the vehicle is Introducing this phase of the game that is not role play, is not combat, but this kind of third, and it's not exploration, but this like quadrinary meta ground. The mysterious fourth pillar? Yeah. You, <laughs> you have to believe it's there? <laughs> and yeah, that, that fourth pillar is just wargaming. 
<laughs> which, which, as we know, has a you know deep ancestral tie to the, this type of game, and and that's why it fits so well, I think. But yeah, so that, that's the gist of the of the toy box ideology for those unacquainted, for those who maybe don't remember, because I think we last said those words on air maybe a full year ago. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good episode. Don't get me wrong, but boy, was it like a year and a half ago. <laughs> Seriously, and, and yeah, like I said, this has the potential for more creative or explosive problem solving, and if that's your goal, then. Gear requisition is for you. I mean, fucking sign up. I don't. I don't get any kickbacks anymore from from Watsi if you use Gear Rec in your campaign. But <laughs> <laughs> think about it. Obviously, Gear Requisition is designed from the ground up with military campaigns in mind. A, a central figure, such as a quartermaster, will allocate hardware to the heroes as needed before a mission. It naturally slots into any paramilitary campaign. But Sam, could you think of many well, like other types of organizations that might be able to use it? You already got me, baby. Heist campaign. Absolutely. I'm assembling a team. We got, what do you need? We need crowbars. We need rope. <laughs> Particularly need grappling for a one shot too. Um, oh, I love it. And maybe if you want to handle, have a more like team oriented approach, really force the players to think together. You could say, forget credits. You're not getting any credits for my one shot. We're doing gear rec for this one shot. Go crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. I also think it could still, because the organization system without uh, Gear Rec is, is very well oriented for like kind of like Noble Houses style type of play as well. That could fit in here as well. And, you know, you could maybe requisition, gosh, you know, fine art, you know, adornments for your palace and for your feasts. You know, this is a pretty. This is a different game entirely, yeah, but a, I, I also enjoy it. It's a wide <laughs> extrapolation as to what this system is meant to do, but I think you could do it, especially if it you know comes to flexing on your uh, fellow noblemen. <laughs> I, I think it could be done. Uh, and I also think of like a, this still is pretty much paramilitary, but like a spy campaign, like Reese, like there's all, there's a whole plethora of stealth. Like a James Bond. Kind yeah, of thing, Exactly. Where- you got your cue, gets you whatever gear you need for this mission, and I like it. I like it. There's a wealth of stealth accoutrement in in Swissy, and it would slot very nicely into the gear requisition system, along with your, you know, Bothan template pistol. Listen, all I need is two fire extinguishers, a stealth cloak, and I'll take the rest of the credits in cash, please. <laughs> now, actually, now's a good chance to mention right before we go into how this system's actually applied to the game like, you know, mechanically, uh, we're going to be talking about credits. We're going to be talking about like credit budgets, spending credits. It's monopoly money. It's totally pretend and ephemeral. It it doesn't exist. It represents much like your org score, your, your clout, your ability to acquire and be trusted with these munitions. It doesn't literally represent a credit value. It's vapor. The amount of gear you can requisition in credits is calculated by the following formula. The requisition amount is equal to the total number of character levels in the party times 2,000 credits. And those of you who know your core rulebook, that might sound really familiar. We'll get back to that later. Uh, Heroes, and in this case, the whole party, spend up to the allotted amount of credits on any weapons, armor, equipment, or vehicles, but not starships, we'll talk about that in a sec, that the Game Master allows. Any credits not spent are lost. Heroes should maximize their purchases to get as much equipment as possible. You heard that right. The whole party shares one pool of credits calculated from their total levels, and it's gone after you spend it for that mission. You'll come back for another mission, another adventure. You'll have another budget, another chance to pick up any gear you want. 
but you don't get that left over in any meaningful amount. There's no reason to leave anything left over as well. So carry as much as your backs can hold. So buy extra grenades. Yes, yes. You think you need one of each grenade and there's, you know, 6,000 credits left in the budget? What are you doing? Buy three more of each. When you have a rank within an organization, you have an associated rank bonus, and that'll be on your rank table that your GM or book provides for you. It's, it's right there. That's added to persuasion checks within that organization. Fun fact, Sam. But it's also added to the total levels for the party when you calculate your requisition budget, but only the highest one in the party. So if you've all got a rank with a plus three bonus, but for example, Sigiel has a plus four, only that plus four is added to the requisition budget. So that's not bad. That's like extra levels. Not bad. It's literally extra levels. Like it, it translates mathematically to as if the party was four, five, six levels higher. It's incredible. So that's the total number of character levels plus the highest org bonus. Then that total is multiplied by 2000. That is your total requisition budget. The example in the book reads a six level character who has obtained the rank of second lieutenant, which is a plus four bonus in this case is treated as a 10th level when requisitioning gear. The other three characters in this adventuring group are equal in character level but lower in rank, so they don't receive a bonus. The total character levels of one 10th level character and three 6th level characters is 28, and when multiplied by 2,000, gives a total of 56,000 credits available to that group for requisitioning equipment. I don't really like the wording in that first half. It's just a lot more words to say the highest rec bonus in the party is added to the total levels. Heck yeah. Now, if you're using starships like me, that's a little different. And you actually use a different formula for getting gear and a new formula for finding out what starships you can get. So if using starships, the requisition amount that you have access to is equal to the total number of character levels and adding your rank bonus if you have one to that, times only 500 credits. And then you'll have a separate budget for starships. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, just like how we do it in Zero Distance, Sam. Is the total number of character levels, plus any relevant rank bonuses, times 10,000. Now, you're probably thinking, gosh, that's still not enough. That's not a lot. That's still not enough to get enough starships for the whole party. Well, Sam, I got some good news for you. All vehicles, including starships, are requisitioned at their used price. Oh, thank God. Yes. <laughs> Which is always listed, well, usually listed on the stat block. Many, many, many starships do not have an associated use price. Good luck is my advice on that one. <laughs> Generally, three quarters to two thirds, maybe even as low as one half is a good guideline for, for used um, price on a vehicle. If you look, it's all over the place. So, you know, I salute I mean, you. once you fly them off the base, they already lose 20% of their value. So what's the <laughs> point, man? What's the point? Exactly. Uh, like always, it's up to the GM to decide what can be acquired, and it's a good idea to decide on a list of valid options beforehand. The book and the wiki have excellent example requisition packages, and I'll be providing a copy of my personal gear requisition spreadsheet below. You're going to love it. It has a beautiful interface of drop-down menus and checkboxes where you, dear listener, can choose you know, from a pre-selected list and easily add your own from X-Wings, uh, A-Wings. Obviously, it's it's meant for a Rebel Starfighter-oriented party, and you can change it as you see fit from, from then on. The gear, the weapons, uh, I don't even think I included any armor on it, 
but it's just stuff I think is cool, like flamethrowers, grenade launchers, heavy assault rifles, <laughs> cool stuff. But I'd say it's lacking in flashier equipment, which felt appropriate for my party, but your mileage will vary. Will, not may. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, let's not forget it's an Excel spreadsheet, so you can just change it to whatever you want. Yeah, make a copy. Make it's a, a copy. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a Google Sheet file menu, make a copy, go fucking crazy, see if I care. I don't. <laughs> It won't affect me. I can't see it. Yeah, I don't think about it. You don't. You're not in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was listening to the Dark Times podcast the other day, and they were just really abusive towards me, the listener. Man, I I was like, I'm really rethinking this Patreon thing, man. <laughs> Put that in your Apple reviews. And big reminder: this is a crucial detail that the book hides, like at the bottom of a subsection somewhere. If you utilize this system in your campaign, reading from the book here, then the heroes should only receive one half the usual rewards and credits that they would otherwise gain. I'm like, oh, what does that mean? What, what does it mean to otherwise gain? Oh, that's right. Core rulebook, game mastering chapter, other rewards subsection reading here. As a general rule, a challenging yet fair encounter should net the heroes resources equal to their average level times 2000 credits to be divided equally among them. Easy encounters may deliver half as many resources or none at all, and difficult encounters should give 50% more at least. Often it's best to save the hero's rewards until the end of an adventure in the form of a lump sum payment given to them for completing the adventure's goals. Therefore, combining these two pieces of information in discrepant books that do not reference each other otherwise, (laughs) gotta love Swissy, therefore, Heroes in a gear requisition game should get their level times 1,000 credits. Wait, is that the same mathematically? I'm doubting myself. No, you're right. I don't, I don't trust you. Um, what do you mean? It says 2,000 and you said one half, so it's 1,000. I don't think that's the same as halving. <laughs> I hope Wait. you can hear yourself right now. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> 28 times 1, uh, 28 times 2. Are those the same? Is that half? You're a fucking idiot, Steven. <laughs> I'm an engineer. Oh, yeah, you're, you're right. It's, Are you serious? Yeah, I just had to make sure. <laughs> Therefore, in a gear acquisition game, the heroes should only get their level times 1,000 credits. That's their total level. Plus or minus 50% depending on encounter difficulty. I flavor this as hazard pay that's handed out at the end of a mission. Mission failure, of course, means a dock and pay, usually by an additional half at my table. Again, you, you do whatever you feel like. It's not my fucking game. That's <laughs> you're sassy today, huh? No, it's just, you know, oh, you know, we're, you know, we're... <laughs> new hair, don't care, huh? Is that what's going on? It's my same hair, same care. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome, Stephen. Well, thanks for talking about gear requisition. Yeah, of course. And um, I think I've made a, I've definitely shared the gear requisition calculator before, like on Reddit or something. Yeah, you did. But I think I've the updated it my end. Since then, so I'll make another stripped down public facing version to heck yeah, well, just for the just for the listeners, you just know, for the a listeners. little taste. Yeah, just mm, mm. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck mm, is that Who, vanilla? Whoever put a mic in front of me, like what the fuck? <laughs> it was my fault, sadly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It was you. You you fucking did. So that'll be in the description. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll, yeah, yeah. Where where are we? Who am I? You'll you'll go click the link down there. You'll you'll see it, and yeah. we'll be good. All right, let's let's send you guys off into the break. 
Hey, Steven. Hey, Sam. Hey. This is the part of the show where we thank you for listening. This is the part of the show where we were gonna like have our have like practice our very first like real ad read because we're, <laughs> we're getting that big. But we 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 got the email, we got the invitation to do it eight weeks ago, and didn't didn't sit down to record it until right now, and and, and the window passed. It's too late. It wasn't an actual ad read. It was the survey to see like, are you guys good enough to do an ad read? And I guess we're not. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make them fake products. Read those ads. Yeah, well, let's make Star Wars products. Let's make Ch- Chubby Wumba's like g- goggle juice. <laughs> oh, goggle juice <laughs> for those real dry eyes. I only use Chubby Wumba's goggle juice. Goggle juice. I said deuce. <laughs> goggle <Fuck>. deuce. <laughs> I'll this never. Is, get this a- is why we'll never get to read ads. Yeah, so I'll never be a real voiceover at this rate. <laughs> if you guys were itching to hear us read off a soulless script about me undies or native deodorant, then or NordVPN, Steven, I get annoyed. I have to censor those. <laughs> no free advertising on this podcast, <laughs> unless you're Chuby Wumba. Chuby, listen, he owes us money already, <laughs> dude. I'm about to call fucking Green Doug on Chuby Wumba's ass. Don't oh get my the Condalorian god, too. it'll be the team up. <laughs> The biggest team up in the condo. They're going to kill him and sell his house. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, we need to bring back the Condalorian. I love him. Mo- what a concept. We got Mark, the Condalorian, and Green Doug <laughs> that we're building a then party. Then Mungo. Yeah, oh, and then Mungo. Yeah, fuck the Dark Times module. I, we're writing a new one about them. <laughs> you play as those characters. Yeah, fuck, fuck anything else, man. <laughs> oh, man. Um. Thank you for listening to the Dark Times podcast. And, and, and I'm sorry. And we're sorry, yeah. If you usually skip the breaks, then you're in luck. If you don't. <laughs> well, Steven, we haven't chilled in a while, so let's chill a little bit right now. What do people get for joining the Patreon? That's right. I was like, we have, we have not to shill, my lord, but you're right, we do. Um, <laughs> I have not a shilling. Um, the Patreon is a place where Sam and I get a little more experimental with our content. Not sexually, but but like creatively. That's a secret elder. Yeah, Patreon. that's the other Patreon that we're not. We can't talk about here. Yeah, that, I won't take that joke any further than it needs to go. And my parents listen to this too. Mine too. <laughs> <laughs> the Patreon is. We have a lot of stuff that Sam and I have made with our own two hands. There's exclusive maps, notes, document templates that I've made. Remember that. Remember the fucking cool secret document templates I've made that I forgot to censor like the fake phone number off of. So. <laughs> But they look really fucking cool. They do look really cool. The patrons get access to exclusive merchandise that they don't even have to to buy. They they just you just get it for having the Patreon subscription. So you you are kind of buying it more or less. But hey, Patreon's verbiage, not mine. If you're on the five dollar tier for three months, you get an exclusive sticker. If you're on the ten dollar tier for three or more months, you get that sticker and a Dark Times T-shirt, and it comes in all sizes. And ships internationally. So keep that in mind if you're considering joining the Patreon. Above all else, the Patreon is a tip jar to thank me, but really mostly Sam. Sam puts in some real serious hours on this shit. Edits the fuck out of my voice because you might not be able to tell, dear listener, but I make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not this perfect godlike being that that's, lives in your iPod. Um, I'm, I'm a human being and, and I, I can't talk that well sometimes. Uh, and Sam has to edit all that shit out. 
Um, and sometimes I have milk voice cause I eat a baby bell before recording and, <laughs> and that's just the worst. I tell him not to, I tell him it's, it's podcast like poison, yeah. but he still does it. Yeah. I just love cheese. Um, <laughs> what were we talking about? The Patreon. It's a way to thank us for what we do. And we thank you for thanking us on there. There's a few benefits on the side that we already talked about. And for those already subscribed to the Patreon, thank you so much. Uh, without it, this just could not happen. Sam and I dedicate a significant portion of our week that normally would go towards working to do this. And and you guys give us thanks through that. And, and we really appreciate it. So thank you very Absolutely. much. Absolutely. And not to, you know, just pile on there, but I really enjoyed recording the that our Ewoks movie. Oh, there's exclusive episodes on yeah, there. Yeah, there's we've got exclusive episodes yeah. now, Steven. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we did the the Ewoks commentary that was awesome. Oh, that worked out it was so, so good. great. Was so and then we did an exclusive uh Starfinder second edition field test episode that I really enjoyed recording with you as well, Steven. Yeah, that shit rocked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you want movie commentary uh from us, God help you, but it's there. yeah i mean there's i would love to just do more of that that was really i i it was work don't get me wrong because it was was like an hour and a half yeah of me first of all i basically watched the movie three times editing that but second but it also was super fun to record it (laughs) we got to do the ewok sequel one day that would be so much fun we do oh man all right well that's enough uh reminiscing right let's send these guys back to the show all right let's hit it Punch it, Chewy. <laughs> what? He doesn't say it like that. Steven. Sorry, just oh. uh, doing my vocal warm-ups here. That was so nice. Well, you're a little late. You're right. <laughs> We're, We're more than halfway the through the episode. <laughs> um, what are we looking at here? I, I heard it was a special surprise from Zloy Krolik himself. Zloy Krolik sent us a stat block from, I'll mention it again, the live-action film character stat source book compiled by Rob, Rob Shanty Patron. Uh, this stat block, I mentioned him last week. We talked about him. Dexter Jetster. Thank God. I was I needed a Dexter Jetster stat block last week, and I'm so fucking happy it's here. It's an interesting stat block. Um, everyone knows Dexter Jetster is Obi-Wan's confidant and uh, underground informant who owns his own diner and on Coruscant. What a great guy. We love it. We love an immigrant small business owner. They, they truly are the <laughs> backbone of our, of our city communities. He really is. He really is. And he makes a great point. I was watching that scene earlier just because I wanted to. It's fucked up scene, man. And he makes a great point that the droids in the archives only look at symbols and not at make. I was like, that's insane to me. Make is half of the shit. Like when something gets made, like that's half of the creation of it. I feel like the branding. Oh, so what the fuck are the droids of the archives even doing? They're just Google searching like the text. Like- we've we've <laughs> talked about this a lot, and and George did his damnedest to set up a really complicated multi-stage conspiracy. And the fact that it's unraveled by a fucking line cook whose pants are falling down in his introductory scene. Yeah, I. It's the cherry on top of that shit show of the first half of that movie. Well, when you build your your rise to power on electing a Gungan to the Senate. I guess it's only poetic that a basilisk is the one that brings you down. I don't know if it's poetic, but it definitely is ironic. <laughs> you want a cup of Jawa juice? Oh God! And then he's like, yeah, I do actually. 
Dexter. We've got a male, middle-aged basilisk, scout two, soldier two, scoundrel one, non-heroic three. That's a good that's a good class matrix, I think. I think so as well. It's a CL6. Uh, this is built using Isurga S's homebrewed basilisk species template. Both Orc Tau and Isurga S provide their take on the basilisk, which are identical, except that Isurga's gives the basilisk an additional additional bonus feat of skill focus endurance if the tra- character is trained in endurance. If you prefer to use Orc Tau's stats, you can just leave off that conditional bonus feat. Now, we talked about this last week. Shellwalker has her own, adapted from the Ultimate Alien Anthology, uh, Basilisk stat block as well on the wiki. Yeah. And How do those compare to these? It's interesting. Let's talk about this one, and I'm going to talk more about that one next week when I okay. do my my Dexter. Basilisk ha- sweep! Hashtag not my Dexter. <laughs> You mean we're getting uh, two Jester Dexter stat blocks two episodes in a row, Sam? Fuck. That's, it's what the that's people four have been asking arms for. of fury. Eight. Sam. Eight arms of fury. Fuck. You fucked up his main deal. I know. Bestless ability score modifiers. Minus four dex plus two con. You have the extra limbs. Class well, he's uh, got one dex speech. right in his name. <laughs> so that makes him Turjetster. <laughs> All right, I officially resigned from the Dark Times podcast. Folks, I'll see you later. Environmental adaptation. He can take 10 to survive Arctic conditions. He can resist hunger. He can go without food for a number of days equal to two times his con modifier before having to make an endurance check. And resist thirst, which means he can go without water for a number of hours equal to five times your con before having to make an endurance check. Oh, that's convenient. When he takes his, his 10, uh, he only has to smoke. He, he doesn't have to. Um, <laughs> yeah, doesn't he can spend the whole time smoking. Yeah. He doesn't have to worry about food. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. And the conditional bonus feed, skill focus, endurance. Uh, this build in particular is a grappler build, but also a heavy swinger. Using his weapons, a rolling pin, and a meat cleaver. Love it. Uh, Dexter can fend off a ruffian or two, but let's hope he's a better asset than a liability for your party. Uh, I feel like we talk about grapplers all the time, Stephen. I feel like it's such a common build concept. They in this, come up quite a bit, yes. In this system. But just to be brief, Dexter has pin, which if you succeed on a grappling attack and your opponent fails the opposed grapple check, your opponent's automatically pinned until the start of your next turn. Pinned creature can't move or take any actions while pinned and loses his dex bonus, if any, to reflex defense. You said he has a rolling pin, too. He has a roll. It's separate, different kind of pin. That's okay. his special move, the rolling pin. What about a bowling um, pin? There we go. That's what, Can you imagine Dexter in a bowling shirt? Because it just popped into my head with such... He <laughs> would be like the top fucking dog of the local bowling league. Yes, he oh would. My God. Oh, dude rolls two strikes at once. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. He also has the crush feat. If you successfully pin an opponent with a grapple attack, you can immediately deal bludgeoning damage to it equal to your unarmed damage or claw damage, whichever is greater. I think it's a D4 for Dexter here. Expert grappler and gains a plus two combat bonus on grapple attacks. However, with his meat cleaver, Dexter can utilize power attack, which means on his turn before making an attack roll, he can choose to subtract a number from all melee attack rolls and add the same number to all melee damage rolls. This number may not exceed your base attack bonus. The penalty on attacks and bonus on damage rolls applies until the start of your next turn, so any attacks opportunity you take also applies to those. Special! Now this is important. If you attack with a two-handed weapon, or with a one-handed weapon wielded in two hands, instead add twice the number subtracted from your attack rolls to your damage rolls. You can't add the bonus from power attack to the damage dealt with against an object or vehicle. Don't forget, as a Bessalisk Dexter has four hands, 
and he can wield two weapons with two hands each. Oh, so he can just wallop you. Oh, yeah. That bro- that rolling pin is coming down on your dome, brother. Amazing. That's not even all. Cleave, if you deal an opponent enough damage to reduce its hit points to zero, you get an immediate extra melee attack against another opponent within your reach. The extra attack is with the same weapon and at the same attack bonus as the attack that dropped the previous opponent. You can use this ability once per round. Except with the Great Cleave feat, which is the same, except you have no limit to the number of times you can use it per round. Oh, so this is for just smashing those Womp Rats digging through your trash into paste. Or, or maybe a young Obi-Wan is trying to get away from some battle droids. And this is how we met Dexter, right? I don't know. There's probably a a book about it. (laughs) Yeah, I think think it's covered in the Obi-Wan Xbox game, but I'm not sure. (laughs) It would be. It would be that. (laughs) But like Dexter just taking out battle droids like four in one turn. Can you imagine that? So cool. Uh, Dexter isn't a pushover either with a whopping 64 hit points and an extra second wind feat. He can soak up blaster fire like a household sponge. Steven, we've talked about second wind and there's a specific ruling with non-heroic characters that they can't take second wind unless they have the extra second wind feat. But I figured in this case, since he has heroic levels, that makes him a quote unquote heroic character. Yeah, this is a heroic step. Okay, so awesome. So he can take two second wins i just wanted to make sure we were clear on that yeah there might be some debate there and i'm, I'm willing to have that debate but uh, it, this is a heroic step block for sure absolutely i mean he's named right it's That's a named character heroic with heroic levels like I, I there's no real room for debate get more heroic if you than want. That, maybe maybe blow up a death star yeah. you know okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lastly dexter isn't known for being a fighter as we've seen in attack of the clones his real gift is as an information broker it's not known for wearing a belt either <laughs> They don't make belts that big, okay? <laughs> probably. That's probably what he says. <laughs> it's so funny. God, what a... I was looking at him, the special effects. He's so greasy looking. He's, he's a it. grimy guy. I really do love him. He's immensely him. You endearing. Know, you know he's got great, like, grip strength for, like, when you shake his hand. Right. But if you give him a hug, you know you're not coming out of that clean. Yeah, no, you need a shower after <laughs> hugging this guy. Yeah. I, I love how he says pocketbook. <laughs> Pocketbook depends on your manners. How big your <laughs> pocketbook is. <laughs> his, his face is like all curly and shit. I know it's funny. He's like he's chuckling before he even finishes that sentence. It's a really well done like scene, but it's just oh man, it's almost surreal. Dexter has skill-focused galactic lore, knack to allow a reroll of a skill check once per day, and barter, which lets him reroll any persuasion check to haggle. So good luck trying to pull a fast one on this old timer. Steven, hey, do you have any thoughts about the Dexter Jetster stat block? Um, I like it. I like it. This this is good. I can see him like walloping like little garbage pests behind his diner when, totally. when they start spreading trash everywhere. Or- and then he's like, and then he does the same animation like three times in a row. And he's like, oh, you're here. I need your help. Take out five womp rats. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah, you nailed it. Um, I will say, though, I will say. Dexter has a well-established history of what he was up to before he settled down and opened a diner. And I'm a little disappointed to not see that represented here in his stat block. So maybe, Sam, I can covertly pass those details to you and oh. you can show us how the you thought two levels of scoundrel week. wasn't enough. <laughs> no, do you remember uh, this? Actually, I don't think this was mentioned in the film, but do you remember his previous career? 
Wasn't he like, um, no, I don't actually. I'm not even going to pretend I know. <laughs> he was a spelunker. A spelunker? Big what does that mean? Quotes, spelunker. <laughs> what does that mean in the Star Wars context? Like, is there like a planet they go to to spelunk? Like, in the context of Dexter's life, it meant things that were ambiguously left behind and no clear owners in the immediate vicinity. Oh, oh uh, that kind of spelunker. Especially in, you know, remote areas of the galaxy, he would dumpster dive. liberate things. <laughs> and that's how he became so worldly and knowledgeable oh. because he pilfered a variety of stuff. Can we, you, me, and the audience, can all three of us just give us our best, like, Hemino and cloners, because you know we oh, yeah. all want to say it. We all want to say it. Clone, cloners, Hemino and cloners. Oh, that's that's real. It was good. a little too uh, Hulk Hogan for me, but <laughs> I still liked it a lot. Now, listener, it's it's your turn. Now, say it on the bus or in the car, wherever you are. We're gonna we're out gonna loud as loud yeah. as possible. We're gonna wait here until you say it. All right, all right. Yeah, not that bad. was pretty good. Not that bad. was all right. Yeah. Well, way to go. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> Uh, Steven, do you have any trivia for us? Oh, sorry. Lastly, thank you so much, Lloyd, for sending this in. I'm going to link uh, the stat block and also a link to the fan source book. It's on Scribd, so I think you have to have a Scribd account to check it out or whatever. Mm. But it looks cool. So maybe someone will get a kick out of that. Uh, Steven, do you have any trivia for us this week? Oh, I got one. This is a nice contemplative one. Yoda is the only Jedi that dies on screen of natural causes. What a fucking bastard. <laughs> that dick. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So you're telling me Vader didn't die of natural causes? No, he, he, he was. Lightning's pretty natural. He had his <laughs> arm cut off and was shocked with forced lightning. Did we watch the same movie? <laughs> Lightning's natural. <laughs> uh, this is worse than your fucking wedge comment last week. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm fine. sorry. I'm pulling your chain. <laughs> oh, and disappearing into nothing is natural. <laughs> Can't even bury him. What are you going to do? He fucking comes back. We're, also. we're done. The episode's over. You can stop now. <laughs> it's not over. I got to do the outro. Oh right, Stephen. Do we want to talk about? Yes, yes. Oh, that's right. Sam, sorry. I've got, yeah, I've got. It. I got it. Listeners, I'm going on a on a very long vacation uh, to Japan. Actually, it's my first time out of the country, and I'm I'm very excited. I will be like gone for like the latter half of October. Sam and I are doubling up on our recording schedule. In the meantime, God help us, but we do it because we because we love you and we love the game. So there'll be some episodes that are recorded well in advance that you'll hear while I'm gone. So any temporal fuckery or mismatching you hear uh, in the latter half of October, just know that those are pre-recorded episodes. Those are not those are not weekly recorded as we you normally are. So yeah, feedback for those episodes will obviously be a bit delayed. We won't be able to answer feedback for those episodes or any input or submissions you may have until uh, like uh, 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 November sixth. <laughs> So <laughs> they will go up in chronological order as we record them. And also we have a bounty in mind, but since Steven's going to be out of town, we're going to, we have to wait till November, but I'm sure you can guess what it's going to be. That's right. Line cook bounty. <laughs> Fuck. Yes. Finally. <laughs> 
Yeah, we have to use my prestige line cook class that I created just for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here, here, guys, make a fucking make a goddamn <laughs> contest out of a homebrew class we made. CL twelve fry cook. <laughs> God damn, that's great. Uh, well, thank you so much, Stephen. I hope you have a great time in Japan. We will uh, miss you. Thank I will you. throw many, many a party in your honor when you were gone. And I will be very jealous the entire time you are there. Because, boy, would I love to take a three-week vacation. <laughs> hey, it's only two. <laughs> oh, oh, no. It's only half the month and not the whole month. And fully paid. Fully. Don't. I didn't need to hear that. <laughs> the Dark Times of Saga Edition podcast is produced and edited by me, Sam. Steven is my... Flunky co-host. <laughs> no, that's not the word. Delinquent co-host. You can reach out to us on Twitter at DarkTimesSWSE or email us DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com. Review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your shows. Tell someone about the show. Tell your table about the show. Tell us you told your table about the show. And we'll shout you guys all out on the show. Steven! Do you have a quote for us this week? That face you make. Look eyes so old to young eyes. No, of course not. I do. Yes, I do. Sick have I become. Old and weak. When 900 years old you reach, look as good you will not. (laughs) (laughs) Is it the first time you've done two different characters for a quote? (laughs) I think so. I think so. When 900 years old, you will reach pension you will not have. (laughs) Oh, wait, I should have done like the like his final words. His final words are fucking amazing. (laughs) No, it's you got to save him for another time. Okay, yeah, you're right. I'll put that in my back pocket. 900 years old, I am half of which I spent in line at Social Security office. Oh, man. Good night, everybody. Can't believe it, Stephen. We're taking the Dark Times International, baby. Yeah, right? Yeah. Nihon Joe. <laughs> My first <laughs> lesson's tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Conversational Japanese in less than a month. I'd love to see it. <laughs> it's going to be... Yeah, no, I, I I don't expect much. I just wanted something before. I did, I literally would have started sooner, but it's um I, I didn't have a job, right? No, that's fair. Yeah, you can't afford Duolingo um, I'm gonna have six private lessons Damn. between now and then. So that's not it's not nothing. That's great. Yeah, and I'm a quick study. Yeah, sure. I mean, but, yeah, I've I've read your your background. Yeah, it is a quick study, if you ask me. I'm not a. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gifted linguistically, but we'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> yes, uh, Stephen, as someone who's edited 78 episodes of this podcast, I can tell you, you are not gifted linguistically. <laughs> I think I'm the only person qualified in the world to tell you that one. <laughs> Bye.